All right, all you golf nuts and normal people that cho- choose to listen to this mess, uh, we got a new segment going this week, and it's called Ask Kip, and I talked to you guys about it on Twitter, about just putting hashtag Ask Kip and sending in your questions, and I'll either answer them legitimately or make fun of you for, be- for being st- stupid, as I like to say, and so far, you guys have pretty much sucked ass on it, and I only had like four people that want to know anything about it. Most of those were like smart people, so I only got to make fun of one dude. So you guys got to do better. Send in some questions. I'll give you a little love on here. But uh, I'm excited about the show that's coming up. A uh, couple things. We, we, we bring the snake back in, and snake went three for three over for all you degenerates out there. He went three for three last week. And uh, Dagon Drew Brees just laid a huge egg on him, or he'd have been four and two at the worst. And Vanderbilt, or Candy Built, as he likes to call him, played a tough one, and kind of that one could have gone the other way. It could have been, it could have been five and one easier, and it's three and three. So Snake's got us a brand new six pack this week. Maybe he'll light them up for us. And on top of that, he tells his cockamamie story. You're not going to believe it. I'm already got some fact checkers out there, and one of them made it look positive for it. I'll have to give you an update soon on it. The other one called Total Bullcrap. So, I don't know. You guys uh, <laughs> text me or tweet me or do something. Find a way to get in touch with me and let me know what you think about the Snake Super Bowl story. You're going to die. <laughs> I, I kind of I lean towards the BS side, but we'll let you guys call it out. So, um uh, another thing, the most important thing about this show coming on, boys uh, and girls, we drug Willie Mack out of the bed, who's Will McKenzie. He comes on the air with us. My audio is gross. I'm, I'm a daggum. I'm a, I'm a 17 handicapper on this audio stuff so far, but so far it's all money out of pocket. And I can't. <laughs> No money back in pocket, so I'm, I'm giving about what it's what is worth so far. But it's going to get better, peeps. But Willie Mack is the best. You guys are going to love his stories. I mean, he's the purest noise-making ball striker on the PGA Tour. When I say that, it's when you stand there next to him and he's whacking balls. It makes a different sound than 95% of those cats. Man, it just is crisp and it's going. It's a bullet. And, but better than that... The dude's a great interview. He's a little bit pooped from traveling. He had did a red-eye back from Vegas and had a huge time in Vegas and tells us some great stories. So uh, it's pretty good stuff, man. So just uh, sit down and enjoy the show. Let me know. Give me some feedback. Peace. All right, good people. We get to welcome back to the show the man, the myth, the snake. He picked. Uh, he went 3-3 three and three last week. It looked like he was going to go four and two, maybe even five and one. And this candy laid an egg for him and got right there at the end. Candy built for Vanderbilt. And uh, boy, uh, Drew Brees absolutely smoked the snake, kept him from having a positive record. But he went three and three. He's going to do better this week. But before we start all that, you got to hear this cockamamie story, is what I'm going to call it. Snake, come on in here, boss. I didn't know if he was going to welcome me to the show or not there for a minute. It was good to be here, though, buddy. It was uh, uh, nip and tuck there for a while. And if you go two and four, our killers are going to just cut us off. Yeah, no, no excuses. Just a solid three and three week. We did have a chance to go four and two. You know, up 
three games to two, one game left. So that's all you can ask for. You went, I, you went, saw it on Memphis, the first guy, first game on Friday night. It was pretty much just uh, Memphis all the way. I thought, uh oh, Snake's on it. And they're a hot team right now. But I tell you what, 75% of the betters out there, you can guarantee they're all saying, I wish I could have gone three and three this week. So, <laughs> you know. We'll get them this week. I laid off of them, so you can't blame it on me. I think Brent might have took action on the other side of that, the brother, so that probably had something to do with God. Most likely. Most likely. All right, before we get into that, really any any big time, the six-pack, tell the viewers the story you told me after our podcast the other day. Now, listen, folks, this has nothing to do with me. This is all on Snake. True story. We uh, got a friend back in 19, I think it was 92, maybe 1993, calls me and says, hey, I got Super Bowl tickets. You want to go? Well, of course, I'm not going to say no to that. So we get our airline tickets, fly up there the next day on a Saturday, spend the night, get up, go to the game. We've got Buffalo plus seven, both of us, both of us nuts to the wall on Buffalo. And, uh we're seated right in the end zone. Not the greatest seats, but the greatest seats for the opening kickoff. We're right behind the goalposts, about 10 rows up. Daryl Green, number 28, fastest man in the NFL. He receives the kickoff, fumbles it, reaches down, picks up the ball, kicks it, reaches down, and all about three guys hit him. There's a big scramble. Buffalo recovers the ball on the two-yard line right there in front of us. We're screaming, yelling. You know, everything's looking good for us. And you know how the referee comes up there and he gets on the mic. He said, we will have to re-kick the kickoff. The uh, national TV audience was not watching the game. And it was just a quick silence. And then everybody started booing. Like, is this really happening? Wasn't watching the game. What do you mean? They just said they weren't viewing the game is how he actually stated it. So he kicked off so too soon? So he says we'll need to re-kick. Yeah, the uh, the kicker, I don't I don't know what, what happened. I don't know if the kicker <laughs> kicked too quick, but they were on a TV commercial is the way I took it. So they actually waited another minute, and they re-kicked the ball. And, of course, you know, anybody that watched the game will remember Daryl Green broke it to about midfield. I think he ran out to about the 48. So, I mean, that's a true story. Nobody – ESPN, nobody knew, mentioned it after the game that, you know, they had a re-kick or whatever. Buffalo's supposed to be up 7-0 five seconds into the game. And, you know, I think they were down 24-7 at halftime instead. So it's a pretty crazy story, but it's it's a true story. Snake, you're telling me that they re-kicked the opening kickoff of yeah. Super Bowl. They had two kickoffs, two opening kickoffs. One, Buffalo recovered a fumble on the two, and the one that counted with Washington returned it out to the 48. Yeah, and it's not mentioned anywhere no. in the annals of pro football, no. anywhere on the internet. No. Once internet come out in the late nineties, mid nineties, I googled it. I googled. <laughs> I googled it this weekend. Uh, it's it's the biggest secret in the NFL history. It's the play that never happened. A snake. Play, the play that never happened. So there's got to be at least a hundred thousand people that know the story. Well, I think there's about sixty five thousand in the Metrodome. Sixty five thousand plus so, the two teams. Yeah. Were... And you know our good friend Terry, so you can call and verify. He'll give you the same story. I'm going to call for a congressional hearing on this, folks. You heard it here first. It's all on Snake. Don't be pointing fingers at me. Snake will never let the truth get in the way of a good story. I hope he ain't doing it to us again this time. <laughs> It's a true story. Oh, he's sticking with it, folks. All right. All right, Snake, let's get into the six-pack. We're rolling this week. All right, we're going to go uh, – we're going to stick with the hot team, Memphis. They're 7-0 they're and o this year. They're 6-1 and one versus the spread. They're playing Tulane. 
Tulane's one and three in conference play. They're not too good. They've, they've only scored 130 points this year. Memphis has scored 342. So I'm going to lay the lumber, 29 and a half points. It, they should be covering that by the end of the third quarter easy. Uh, next game, we're going to go Kentucky-Tennessee. I think Tennessee's going to let down a little bit after the Alabama game. I'm not going to pick the other side, but we're going to take the over in this game. I think Kentucky's going to start fast. I think Tennessee will probably finish fast. I'm looking for an up-tempo, high-scoring game. So we're going to play the over 55 on the Tennessee-Kentucky. So you're hoping Butch adjusts in the second half to the, what the other team's doing and like well, normal. You know, it is Kentucky. You don't have to adjust much. <laughs> okay, our third game is going to be the what they call it, the largest cocktail party. Uh, Georgia, Florida. I guess train wreck's going to be the uh, word of the day here. I'm going to go against the train wreck, which would be Georgia. Florida's defense, uh, they'll keep them in the game playing anybody. I hate to say that. I can't stand Florida, but I'm going to take Florida and lay the two and a half. There's two back-to-back SEC games that are pretty big. All right, we'll go to the NFL now. I'm going to stick with a team that I like. I like this team. I think they're going to win that conference or their division. I think they're going to surprise some people. I'm going to take St. Louis over San Francisco laying eight and a half. Wow, that's a lot of points, boss. A lot of points, but like I say, train wrecks. San Francisco's a train wreck. They can't score. If it looks too good to be true, it usually is, isn't it? Sometimes. Let's go on down. We're going to, it's going to be a night game. It's going to be the uh, Green Bay-Denver. I think uh, Green Bay is going to break Peyton's heart. He's on that in, undefeated streak this year. But that comes to an end in Denver Sunday night. Uh, Green Bay should win this game fairly easily. Lay the two and a half in that game. Well, you'll probably blow that one because I think Green Bay looks like a lock. I can't believe Denver ain't catching I, I no know, points. Two and a half is, uh, doesn't seem like many, does it? Uh-uh. Uh, Not, if I like it, it's usually bad. Well. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to carry your weight on that one. <laughs> Last game is going to be the Monday night game, Indy, Indy versus Carolina. Here's another train wreck, word of the day here, train wreck. The Colts are just hapless. If you've got uh, luck on your fantasy team, uh, uh, you need to trade him, You're cut out him, luck. whatever. You're out of luck this year. <laughs> I think he was the number one quarterback in fantasy, and he's probably ranks about 24th right now. So we're going to take Carolina minus the seven. And uh, there's your six games. We'll go over them real quick. Memphis in the college, minus 29.5. The over 55 on Kentucky, Tennessee. And Florida, minus 2.5 over Georgia. NFL, we're going St. Louis, minus 8.5 over Frisco. Green Bay, minus 2.5 over Denver. Carolina, minus 7 over Indy. There you have it, folks. There's the snake six-pack again this week. He went 3-3 three and three last week. Look for him to make a move this week. we got to get going. And, folks, do me a favor. You, if, you know how to Google. Get up there and see if you can find any information on that Buffalo Washington. It's the biggest secret that's ever been. Best unknown play ever in the NFL. Oh, i got some inside trader information on that. I can get. I can find that. I know one of the players, or I know a buddy that's buddies with one of the players. True so, story. All right, I'm going to research it out on you, Snake. True story. Yeah, bud, I appreciate you coming on again this week and giving us the heat. I hope it works out for us. All right, buddy, I'll see you next week. Peace. All right, people, we get, uh, man, are we so lucky this morning. We get to have the coolest guy on the PGA Tour. He's coming in. He's talking to us today. All right, now, folks, 
this boy here, you'd rather watch him hit balls as anybody. I want to introduce my buddy, my good friend, the man, the myth, Willie Mack. Will McKenzie, what do you say, brother? Are you there? Yes, I'm here, loud and clear. Chip, what's up, my brother? <laughs> you, uh, you, you did a red eye yesterday, so you're doing special uh, gift for us today. You're just talking to us, aren't you? Oh, yeah, this is a big deal for me to talk to you, bud. <laughs> you kidding me, bud? I'll talk to you on a red eye. I don't care. I'm happy to uh, be at your service this morning. Uh, stoked on your new show and ready to let you know what's going on with Willie Max. You know, uh, Willie Mac, you're the first we've always had so far on the show, besides of odd handicapped guys with sports handicaps, is just once, but all we've had is loopers. You're the first guy we've had on the other side of the bag. Well, well, look, bud, I mean, I might be a looper before long if I keep playing like I play. I had the yips on Friday over there at the uh, Las Vegas Invitational and uh, hit it so pure and couldn't shake it in the hole from about less than about a foot. And even those one and two floors were dicey. Was that? So, uh, I might be, I might be looping before long, Kip. It's a pretty good gig if you can get sign on with a guy like you. Can you find a guy like you? Yeah, um, yeah, it's tough, you know what, it's tough to get bags out there, isn't it, bud? Uh, I mean, the, the tourist, the tourist talk nowadays. There, uh, we, I said, you know, there's plenty of great players, but there's more good caddies than there are uh, good players these days. Caddies are, they're scrambling trying to find bags, man. It's gross out there. Yeah, and you got so many young guys coming out, uh, guys coming out of college, coming off the web tour. You know, your, your veteran caddies don't really get get the caddy for them and get their name in the hat. Um, and then when there's some moving and shaking, with the older caddies and older players, and and guys break up, these uh, veteran caddies don't get don't know these young guys, and these young guys come out with uh, kind of their buddy on the bag, and and, and then so the uh, veteran guys miss out on some of this young good talent that's coming out right now. That's true. It seems like after about Florida, the guys that have brought their buddies out and they haven't made any money, they start scrambling and looking for veteran caddies to try and save it halfway through the season. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, um, they start scrambling for that, and coaches, and they right. up with their girlfriends, and no doubt, it's just you know, it, it's the pressures of golf, man. It is. It's a brutal game, isn't it? Uh, yeah, but it can be fun, dude. It's supposed to be fun, isn't it? Yeah, it's supposed to be fun. All right, tell us your week about Vegas last week. Was the uh, yips Friday? Was it alcohol induced yips, or would you just didn't have it? Um, yeah, see. You know, I flew in there Sunday and played a little uh, Charlie Hoffman's program. And uh, we did go out Sunday night. And uh, I saw a lot of people on the range one day that said they saw me, but I don't remember seeing them. <laughs> um, Ricky Fowler and uh, those guys. Uh, I think I had a nice night with those guys. I don't really remember. I passed out in uh, Ricky Barnes' uh Hotel Suite, you know, they got the M lights, they're big time, those boys, oh, yeah. Fowler and Ricky Barnes and them, they had the suitest bigger in my house uh, <laughs> at the hotel, and uh, I didn't get to really utilize the, the facility very much, I kind of just went in there, passed out, and then woke up and had to run out there and play the Pro-Am, I flushed it that day, felt pretty good, made some putts. 
And then uh, as the week progressed, I felt pretty good, you know. I went in and stayed out there by the golf course at the JW Marriott. You know, it's peaceful out there. Um, didn't really. I actually almost got killed by this guy at the at the blackjack table. This guy had a gun. No serious. This is a story that you know it, it might take me a minute to tell, but. I probably shouldn't even tell about that. But the, the yips were, yeah, it was, it was dicey. And uh, I think I cured them, though, on Saturday. You know, Mr. Cut shot one over and should have been 10 under after two rounds. And um, I went out. I said, you know what? I won't let fly the red eye until the next night. So I said, I'm going to go out here and I'm going to grind, man. This is what it's all about. You know, I'm feeling pretty good coming off knee surgery three months ago. And I said, I need, I need to get to work, you know? Uh, this is my deal. And I uh, went out there and practiced, chip putted, chip putted, putter felt kind of shaky. You know, even in practice, I'm like, what the heck is going on here, dude? I said, you know, my touch is terrible. So all of a sudden, I have like about a 40-footer, 50-footer. I mean, I was knocking five feet by, six feet by, four feet too short. It's terrible stuff. You know, thinking about the stratosphere, stratospheres of my daggone God, I hate hearing that crap when I'm caddying. I hate hearing that. Yeah. Everything yeah. breaks towards the stratosphere. It's crap. Yeah, everything's going, going towards the strat, towards the strat, blah, blah, blah. And you know what I said to myself? I said, all right, this is bullshit. Here you go. <laughs> this putt is to win the Masters. This 40-foot, 6-foot breaker is breaking. Is this putt to win the Masters? And I lift this thing out with a perfect pace. I mean, perfect. It's like in and out. And every putt after that, I said, this putt's the winning Masters. All of a sudden, my touch went through the roof. It felt fantastic. And, um, you know, it might work. It might not work. You know how fleeting this game is, but that's my new mantra over every putt right now. Win the Masters. Win the Masters. Good and, Lord. Uh, it, it just got me excited to putt. It made me look like a kid. My grip got lighter. My touch got better. And uh, that's what I'm going with. If there's anything that this world needs is you winning the green jacket to shake that place up, man, that would be they they'd have to change some of the policies there at the Augusta. That would be the best. I, I might be I might be saying that to win Jackson. I don't care. <laughs> I really don't care. I just wanna get the only way to get in contention is to putt really well. You have to putt well. You can flush it out there and shoot seventy. Uh. So in, in, in order to be free, you gotta. In order to play well, you gotta be free with that putter. And uh, I've gone through spells where it's been really bad, but I've also gone through some spells where it, it gets pretty good, and I feel like I can putt great. And so, uh, you know, that's just my latest find. Hopefully, it'll work. You know, uh, you mentioned something. There's two things. We're going to back that thing up and talk about the gun guy in a minute. But you said Jackson. I remember long ago. Me and little Brian Gay had never won a golf tournament, and he scrambled around there late on Saturday and Sunday and worked his way into a playoff, and we went up against a guy named Will McKenzie in a playoff. And what happened? Uh, Brian Gay didn't get his first win, did he? Some guy named Willie. No, sir. No, sir, but you know what? He sure did after that. He done. He beat my head in after that. He was, I think he was he, he's a bulldog. Yeah, he got uh, going. He, he, didn't, he didn't get his first win that day. He got he going. Mark Ternessa. But, yeah, I got my first win. That was a good win. Uh, that was my second win, but that was a huge win. Uh, and, man, I'm, I'm fired up to get another one because it's out there. It's 
there. You could use a new outdoor. You could use a new outdoor kitchen, couldn't you? Did you win a kitchen for winning that thing or something? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was the most, that was the most uh, expensive free kitchen I've ever gotten. <laughs> All right, and now. they said, "Oh, Will, yeah, you you win a, you win the outdoor, you win the whole kitchen, indoor outdoor kitchen from Viking." I said, "All right," but they said, "Yeah, but they give you the appliances, but then you got to have somebody build and install it." <laughs> and of course, I had I lived down here in Jupiter with the. It's pricey down here, bud. Oh, man. So, uh, I have been, come out of that house, uh, thank goodness, gee. Somebody's got a nice Viking kitchen out in, outside, I pimped it out, big time. Cost you half. I had refrigerated drawers, <laughs> all sorts of sick stuff. Cost you half your winners to have it installed, huh? It certainly did. That's not the biggest purse down there in Mississippi. No, it's not. But it helps. It don't, it did help, it was fun, man, I'm fine. Right, listen, as a guy who loves the games of chance, there's no way I can let you pass over that story. Don't tell us what casino. Don't tell us his name. And you got to tell us who pulls a gun or shows a gun at a blackjack table in a casino. Is I, that? I'm sitting there with Wesley Roach. <laughs> Good boy. Steve Marino. Good boy. And another good boy. And this this. This kid who caddies Scott Pinkney. Oh, yeah. Uh, Scott Pinkney is a young guy on tour. He's pure. Yeah. So it is his brother. Brother's name Brad Pinkney. Yeah. So we're sitting there gambling, man. $25 table. There's this dude on the far end. He said, hey, you boys. You boys Masons? <laughs> what are you talking about, bud? Like. Three Masons? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Order the Mason. And we're like, nah, man. We're out here just, we're just trying to gamble, man. I tell Make some money. I always say we're square dancers. Yeah, we're just out here doing our deal. Playing golf. Oh, okay. Well, you know, the Shriners are Masons. Started talking about the Shriners being Masons. <laughs> I don't really know what a Mason is. It's like a religious guy that is, uh, is really, really philanthropic. That's about all I know. <laughs> I have no idea. I can't I help you either. My grandfather was a okay. mason of it. Okay, it's an order. It's a secret order. Secret yeah. Society, kind of. Yeah. Well, he had a big wooden cross on his chest. He had a big wooden cross, hand cross. He started talking about how he just got ordered, how he just, he just made it higher up in the clan and stuff. They showed him the secret handshake. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he started, you know, he started getting on my nerves, bud. Oh, no. I mean, he started talking over and over. <laughs> and he, you know, we got a run. We're tipping like crazy when we're on a good run. But we're on a bad run. And he was on this epic run. And he started, you know, he's like, yeah, look, these professional golfers not tipping, not doing anything. Oh, so, man. I said, you need to chill out. And he kept saying this thing. He kept saying, you guys are safe here. Your guys will be safe. Oh my you God. guys will be safe here. Kept telling me how we're going to be safe. I said, look, man, <laughs> I'm feeling pretty safe right now. I ain't worried about anything right now. I, I think I can make it back to my room. Well, it just got kind of weird, Kip. And then, so, you know, I went ahead and lost about five orange, oh. as usual. As usual. <laughs> and uh, I was about my limit for that evening. And he said, you want me to walk you up to your room? Wow. 
And I said, sir, do not follow me to my room. You're starting to scare me. I don't know if you're trying to protect me or come with me into my room. <laughs> but I'm from the country, and, and you know what? There's a bunch of, I think everybody's nice in the world, but they're not, right? There's a bunch of freaks out there. Do you agree? I mean, there's bad people out there. I got kids now. I mean, I got to think about this. This guy, he wanted me, he wanted to go to my room. I said, look, dude, if you come, if you follow me in my room, I'll call security and I'm going to hit you over the head with this Lagunitas IPA bottle I got going on here. <laughs> so I get up and I basically jogged my room. Yeah. Like looking in my rear view mirror, kind of like, if this, this is, this guy's freaking out. He's scary. So, come to find out, the next morning, Brad, I'm, I go up the range, he goes, you will not believe what happened. He goes, this guy, one minute after you left, he settled up, stood up, looked at us, lifted his shirt up, had a gun wow. under his under his thing, he kissed his cross, and left. Wow. And they called security. Security was about, he was a little older, it took him a while to get there. And they, and fortunately, they kept their eye on him, kind of stayed in the casino. They got security on the guy, and they kicked him out. But how can, how can you carry a wow. sidearm into a casino with alcohol? I can't believe they let him. You think they just let him go? Or are they arresting? <laughs> I think they just let him go, bro. Crazy people. <laughs> you know, that's nothing. That stuff happens all the time, I guess. But I didn't like it. Seems like a pretty level-headed guy. Yeah, basically, he saved me some money in the casino. Though. I didn't gamble much more after that. I was scared to go to the casino. He seems like a pretty level-headed guy. You should maybe hire him for your security team or something. Not. Gosh. The world's full of crazies. Yeah, it's full of crazies. Right. Well, whatever. Let's get back to what the folks want to hear about you, Goff and Willie Matt. All right? You... Listen, I stand on that rock pile, and I know I'm your friend. I, I blow smoke up your butt pretty good, but I, my hand on the Bible, I would rather watch you whack range balls than anybody on the PGA Tour. That's the honest to God's truth. Your golf swing, Willie Mack, is so athletic and pure, and you don't even have any idea the, how good it is to watch. But I know you're going to take the humble road, but how do you think you got that? Just pure athleticism, or did you work your tail off? How did it all come about, boss? I, I mean, I, you know, obviously it ain't that good, but uh, <laughs> it, it, on, on a good day, yeah, I'm, I'm hitting a high percentage of greens in regulation. That doesn't mean you're a great ball striker. It means you're a good ball striker. Uh, you know, hitting it close to the hole uh, is, is, is pretty important. Uh, but it's definitely, a lot of it is natural, and then a lot a lot of it was, is, was worked. At an early age, I mean, you know, everybody knows, or a lot of people that are no golf at all know, I took you know, a long time off golf. I, I sort of burned out at an early age and came back, but I, I logged a lot of hours early. You did? Uh, it, was my, it, it was Yeah, it was my passion. I mean, my past, you know, I, was, I was a country club kid, Eastern North Carolina, you know, a real safe little golf club, lots of juniors, and my parents could drop me off in the summer. At 8 a.m. and pick me up at 8.30 at night or 8 at night. And I would, you know, I would eat lunch out there too but and, and snacks and stuff. But I would, I, 
I'd play 36 on average. So I would, and I would hit, I would hit teacher buckets of range balls. You know, I was on the range plan, of course, where you can hit all the balls you could possibly hit. I had a great pro out there. You know, stuff that, <clears throat> stuff that I find that we don't quite have down here in South Florida where I'm raising my boys. Uh, that, that classic old-fashioned country club. Yeah, I grew up in that. That, that caters to children and, and has, a, has a pro that is all in, that, that really can have the patience to deal with the juniors. But I also had some pretty good juniors out there that pushed me, but I was probably more gifted naturally and uh, also had the drive. Uh, to, to practice, and, uh, and I have my old pro would sit out there, you know, it's a long time before range finders, and we would walk every single yardage before I went to a tournament with my irons. He would sit out there at 100 yards, and he'd have me hit like five balls with each club in my bag, uh, and he would, he would average them, and then he would step back from my nine iron, step back from my eight iron, he'd have five balls or ten ball, eight balls and we average all you know the math how far I hit everything wow. I was pretty good back back then you know for a pro to do that he was all and, in uh, wasn't he yeah he was all in and um, he was he's a great old man his name was Gordon Folk he's a PJ master professional and he's still uh, he's still in the game now you, uh, I hear you loud and clear. You know, I was a guy, I stood on that side of the counter for many, many years. And, man, people underestimate, if you're in a country club, if you got a guy who loves the kids and wants to help the kids and has kids' tournaments and goes and plays other clubs with the kids, I mean, they can really make an impact on your kid's life, can't they? I think it was humongous. And then we had another pro after him that was real solid as well, Brady Penner, but... Gordon was my inspiration. I mean, he, he had, uh, we had every junior tournament imaginable. We, yeah, he took us on the road. He took me to, he would take me to Pinehurst. Him and, you know, another buddy would take me and, like, one other of the better juniors, and we would go play Cups Club in North Carolina or Pinehurst number four or, or the Pit or somewhere, just somewhere awesome. He'd take us to, like, one or two or three of those trips a season. And also, we had a Beat the Pro pretty much once a week during the summer when we were fighting against him. We had tough days. Good all stuff. winter long. All winter long we had this thing called tough day and you'd win you'd win like, you know, gift certificates for food in the uh, in the grill. <laughs> uh, where you'd set the golf course up real hard. And uh, he also they also give this little replica like like little drink, you know, like a what you would pour a liquor drink in. Uh, I don't know why they give them to us because, you know, we were 10, 12 years old. But my dad had a bunch of them, put it that way. I won a lot of those tough days. And I remember my dad drinking Jack and water out of those things. He's, he's <laughs> like Snoop Dogg. Your dad was like Snoop Dogg with his own cup. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> That's cool. So I think that, was, uh, that laid a great foundation. And, I mean, I don't know how I, you know, I took so much time off. I don't know if I swing it differently than I did when I was a kid, but, uh, you know, I just try to think balance and, and keep it moving, keep it moving, you know, turn and turn, just try to keep everything going. You got such super huge athletic motion, and uh, you're kind. I know you kind of as guys not played. I don't know if I threw a football at you if it hit you in the face or you catch it, but I know you were into uh, 
weird sports like you were skateboarding and snowboarding and things like that. When, where in the heck did you pick that up in North Carolina? Well, it was weird. You know, I'm, I'm pushed over there pretty far east, uh, hour and ten minutes on the beach. So we would go to the beach a lot, and uh, we had a little place that we'd go to on the river, and we did a lot of water skiing. We did everything: water skiing, hydro uh, sliding. We turned that into barefoot, barefooting. So we did a bunch of those sports, and also. I grew up skateboarding, man. I would literally go play golf all day and come home and skateboard at night. We had a big old dirt ramp right beside my house. We called it the junk pile. We borrowed a lot of wood from a lot of places going up, like buildings. Uh, we you, borrowed a lot of it. Y'all built your own ramp? What's that? Y'all built your own ramp? Yeah, we built a humongous half pipe. It was called the <laughs> junk pile, but it was money. And I skated it hard, man. I love, I've always loved skating and surfing. And, uh, you know, that was just probably the things that helped tear me away uh, from golf. Golf got a little restricted. Like, that's all, you know, once you get up in that tournament golf, kind of all you did. And I kind of lost a little bit of interest because I felt so one-dimensional. Like, golf, 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 golf. And... You know, when I was 14, I played so much golf in the summer that I didn't get the chance to go to the river, the beach, or do any of those things, and it kind of tore me away from it. Uh, it's good and it's bad. It is what it is. It's just the way my life sort of went. Well, I mean, I surfed yesterday. I surfed yesterday with my son, Maverick. Uh, he loves it, and uh, I'm getting ready to get him in the Eastern Surfing Association. It's just like you're in the, in, in, you know, your recreation parks playing other sports they have little competitions people that are into uh reincarnation they want to come back as your two sons those kids man they live the life you put i, I follow you on uh, facebook and twitter and stuff and you're those kids man they're doing it they're going they're surfing they're swimming they're they're stabbing they're oh man they're in everything they're having a life aren't they oh yeah oh yeah and they're playing golf too maverick loves it Nash is not too into it. He's kind of my video game guy. Yeah. And uh, I don't know what to do with that other than just kind of let him do his thing. You know, he just not push him. Uh, but Maverick, man, that kid is like, uh, he's a spitting image of me. He loves it. He is like. He's outdoors, huh? Yeah, he's, I mean, at night he's sitting in here throwing the football to me, you know, running routes. He does the little route on the back of the football. All right, Dad, I'm going to go six, and then I'm going to. with your boys it's the best Willie Mac there ain't nothing better is there no there isn't you know my dad was like that with me uh, I had an epic 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 dad and uh, you know he just he gave me a lot of freedom and uh, but you know he could reel me in real quick if I if he needed to but he wanted me to do whatever I was passionate about and uh, you know and treat people with respect and uh, that's what I'm trying to do with mine awesome all right, let's get back to your golf game again real quick. I, I won't keep you too much longer. I, uh, I've, you bounced around teachers for a little bit, didn't you? Yeah, I 
sit on, I, 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 I looked around here, I was in the whole lead better deal for a long time, I did a little bit of the sack and tilt, and, uh, and I, I'm known, when I don't have a coach, I'm known as the poacher, so I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll saddle up, I'll saddle up there, over there near Butch Tarman or somebody, and whoever he's teaching, or, or, uh, or the guy from Sea Island, um, Gosh, any of them. Any T.A., Todd Anderson. Yeah, yeah T.A., T.A., I've known to post some info off T.A., you know, the boys, they charge a lot. Yeah. So I'll go, I'll go over there and start listening in to Gosh, I'm getting a little funky. And, uh, but I've saddled up with a guy named Jeff Leishman now, been with him uh, wholeheartedly for, for, for probably three years or so, and he's my guy. I don't, no, I'm not a guy that wants to use him every day. Uh, you know, you gotta you gotta figure out your own golf swing. When you get under the gun, you gotta hit shots. You just want to simplify it as much as possible to make it as habitual as you can. But you're hitting a lot of golf shots out there. You're rarely hit, making the same exact swing uh, because of conditions. And uh, just just help me simplify my motion. And uh, I like what he has to say. He's real calm. He. Uh, he helped me with my warm-up. You know, I'd get out there and chat away and he'd get all excited in my warm-up, seeing all my buddies. You know, it's kind of a fraternity out there. And he's helped me warm up a little better, you know, and uh, and know that I don't I don't have to have it perfect in my warm-up. It just is a warm-up. Right. And, and um, you know, he, he, he's, been, he's been big for me. He's been big for me. We've had a couple of good years together. And uh, he's working with Brett Stegmeyer, who just got on tour for the first time. He's also working with Daniel Berger, who uh, was the Rookie of the Year last year. So he's kind of an up-and-up, up-and-coming teacher, and he's right here in Jupiter, which is nice, because I don't like to travel to see my golf coach. Yeah, that would stop. Because uh, I'm, you know, I'm busy when I'm home. You know, I'm, I'm, making, I'm packing lunches, man. I'm packing lunches in the morning, and I'm, these boys are on the go, so... My, my time is usually this time, 9 to 2 every day, Monday to Friday. It's my time to work on my game. Nice. And if I need him, if I need to work with my coach, I call him the night before and he'll meet me at 9 a.m. All right, now uh, we do this for the caddies out there, so uh, I know I love your boy. and he. Uh, when you guys get together, great things happen. Give us a little info on your loop. Yeah, I've got uh, Scott Marino, who is Steve Marino's just got back on tour again this year. It's his younger brother. Uh, Scott, I, I took Scott that last year I was on the web, like 2012 or something, 13. Um, I took him out to Midland as kind of a favor to Steve. Uh, I didn't know he was really looping much. He was trying to become a professional golfer. And uh, we just had great camaraderie. We had a great time together. He's really, really, really positive. You know, sometimes I can get down in the doldrums just like a lot of professional golfers can. And next thing you know, you start hanging your head for a few holes and you go on a little bogey run. And uh, you just can't do that out there. You got to fight. You got to fight. You got to you got to play golf until the end and just either play well or you didn't. And then you go learn from it. And uh, Scott's been real good on keeping me positive out there. You know, it's not a, nothing mechanical. And talk to me about that. It's just. It's just real positive. I'll hit it in the left trees. And he'll be like, hey, bro, it's okay. The pin's on the right. It's a great angle from over there. And I'm over there about to, like, break a club. 
because I just made a bad swing, and then he says something like that. It just, it just kind of frees me up a little bit. You know what? Hey, I'll, I'll be a kid. I'm, I've hit shots out of the trees. I can hit a great shot, and it, it just gets me in a better frame of, of mind. He never hangs his head. You know, there's, you know, you don't want your caddy hanging his head too. You want him up deep. You know, even that he knows if his guy's not playing well, he ain't gonna make any money. But you know, you don't make your money every week. You make you make your big money, your big paychecks, and you know about you know how they say what is it? You make ninety percent of your money in ten percent of the weeks. Yeah. So he, he he's just really good about staying upbeat, full time. He has total belief in me, uh, and, and that that's what I like out of a caddy. Oh, he's I don't awesome. need him. I don't need him holding my hand around there. I need him. I need somebody out there, you know, being a, a decent cheerleader, not over overly cheerleading, but just keeps me in it. You know, we can get this next one. We can get this next one. It sounds like he That's has. It, it sounds like he knows exactly when to come in and when to just lay back and chill. He's good at that. That's yeah, what. He, that's what his caddies do. Yeah. I think more than anything else. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a good he's a great guy. You know, he's a he's a not only is he a great guy, he's really good for me, and, and and I'm very happy with him. Awesome. I love he's a laid-back cat. And that's part of our gig. You know, we got to decide when to let you guys. Just, I mean, eh, it's probably an okay time to let him just break a club right here and go crazy. And then there's other times where you go, i got to figure out a way to get my man out of this crap right now. And then you try and... You know, you try and trick him into to chilling out and doing stuff, but you can't do it all the time because it won't work. So you got to pick and choose when you're out there what you're trying to help your guy with. It's a constant battle. Yeah. But man, absolutely. That's, that's that, I think that's the uh, that's that's the trick, and that's the that's the trick of the trade there for being a caddy is is to know when to reel your guy in, know when to let your guy go, and you just know how to speak, know how to speak his language. It's like communicating as a coach. Uh, coaches aren't great for everybody, uh, different coaches. It's a guy who knows how to communicate with, with his player, uh, that usually is the most successful. Oh, awesome. I know. I love, he's a laid back cat and you guys are cut from the same cloth. Y'all are a perfect, uh, uh, team together. I swear you are. And I mean, you've done good every time you've got with him. Yeah, we, we've done well together, and we know we can do better, of course. And we're working on it, you know. I mean, you have to identify your flaws and, and go work on them. And, uh, you know, we, we know we know what I'm struggling with right now. It's a good litmus test coming off a of knee surgery, uh, those two events. And, uh, you know, that sh- I just need to tighten up my short game. That's what usually goes when you're not practicing a lot. So You'll do uh-huh. it, Willie Mack. I hope you have a huge year. You know, I could, dude. I could talk to you for <laughs> till nine o'clock tonight. I could keep you on here for hours. You're the best. But I know you. Uh, you've been traveling. You've been gone. You got to get out and build a ramp or fix the boat or something for the kids. They'll be home soon. So you got a lot to do, oh, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> Promise you'll come back on here and talk to us again, man. I could talk to you all day, Willie Mike. You are the best. Well, I plan on going and doing something good, and uh, you can have me back on anytime but uh, I love talking to you miss seeing you out there and uh, I'm sure you'll be out there sooner or later hey I'm back out there I uh, can't tell you yet but I'm back out there I'll, I'll be in Mississippi I'll be in the last three that away that away I look forward to seeing you big guy alright little buddy you're the best thanks for coming on here and sharing all your uh, stories with us yes sir thanks have me anytime see you down the road Willie Mac. you're the best alright good people I appreciate you tuning in and listening to the podcast 
I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed uh, presenting it to you. We'll have some fun on here. I need you guys to get on uh, the Twitter and follow the APTC. That way you can send in your comments and uh, questions and just use the hashtag AskKip. And uh, if it's not dirty or pertaining to my wife's body parts, we'll take care of those things and answer them for you and have some fun with those. And uh, I guess until next time, I'll talk at you later. Uh, Remember now, when you go golfing, skip the cart, grab a caddy, take him along with you, and have a great day. Peace out.